Bring it in. Read option back here. Getting you ready for week seven already in the NFL week eight in college football. No one I love talking to more this time of week than my man, the man, the myth, the legend, the man with the San Francisco tattoo. Give it up for Scotty Miller. Scotty, no veto again this week. But see, the thing is, Scotty, we have veto out on a special assignment. We sent him here. He didn't do this on his own. We told him, we said, Vito, your Broncos are in Cleveland. You live Where in you Cleveland. Live. Yeah, you have to. You know what? I'm not letting you on the pod. This was totally our decision, not Vito's at all. Nope. And we said, Vito, you have to. You have to go there. We need boots on the ground. We got to know what the dog pound is like. We got to know what a Thursday night atmosphere. Thursday nights are very special to Cleveland Browns fans. Remember the first win they had in uh, – was it after their 0-16 season, came on Thursday night with Baker Mayfield leading the Browns to a win over the New York Jets and what was actually a very entertaining game. So Thursday nights are kind of sacred in Cleveland, and so that's exactly where our man Vito is. He's boots on the ground. He's videotaping. He's taking notes. He sent us his picks, so we will get Vito's picks with our picks for uh, this weekend's game, and I'm hoping the fact that his picks – and the fact that he's not on the pod means that he's going to finally lose some games because Vito is on. Yeah, he needs, a, he needs a stinker of a week. He's on a tear. He's on a tear. He's making us look bad. You're actually, I mean, you got a couple games on me percentage wise. Again, I will contest that I've had to pick more games than everybody else. But besides the point here, Vito, and we'll get to our, our numbers here right before we get to our picks. But Vito is on an absolute tear. And yeah. Uh, it's it's getting I, I gotta terrifying. be smart about my picks this week. I can't uh, I can't uh, jostle around and make some uh, some super dog picks that that might hit. No, I gotta be super analytical this week. Gain some ground on Vito. And this is an interesting week to do so because there are some very big, interesting spreads in this game. We see a fifteen point spread, a seventeen and a half, twelve and a half. There are numbers all over the place. There are points to be had. Uh, but also some pretty interesting games in the NFL as well that I'm excited to dive in with you. Uh, and the college slate, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. It stinks. It's shit. It's a terrible slate of games. It's not, it's not the kind of games that you want to, uh, you want to sit down on the couch and watch college football all day. But you know what? I'm probably going to do that anyway because, you know, it's Saturday. What else am I going to do when college football is on? And I'll tell you, any day in the spring, I would trade to watch this slate of games on a Saturday afternoon. So. Always got to keep that perspective in mind. And we say it every single week. When the slate doesn't look good, that's when the most chaos happens. So maybe we get some chaos this weekend. Who knows? Um, But to start off the pod today, we're going to go all the way back to Monday night. Because we saw an absolute barn burner. A crazy game. Uh, The best team in the AFC was unanimously the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they looked unbeatable over the last few weeks right you know since that opening loss to to pittsburgh it was four straight weeks of the buffalo bills just tear they shut out two different shutouts they shut out the houston texans they shut out the miami dolphins the buffalo bills look to be unbeatable but not when you go up against king henry and i said this on the pod probably about two weeks ago derrick henry is one of those players that when he's on your team 
you are never out of a football game. We say the same thing about Patrick Mahomes, but I think the next guy on that list say the same thing about Lamar Jackson. I think in that top tier of guys, you have to put in Derrick Henry because he is such a unique specimen. He's so big and fast and hard to freaking tackle. This guy is an absolute animal. So as long as you have Derrick Henry and you're the Tennessee Titans and you've won big games in primetime spots, you are going to be in every football game that you play. End end of conversation because pretty much single-handedly, he won that game for them. Yeah, and of course, he he was one of the main weapons on on the field. I mean, Julio had come out with with an injury and A.J. Brown looked like he was just... I mean, he looked worse than Michael Jordan in the flu game in, uh, in 95. Um, but like, and, and it showed, I mean, look in the, in the first half, AJ Brown had one target and, and then erupted in the second for seven and 91. But it's hard to, it's hard to not be an offense when you have Derrick Henry in it, that the offense doesn't revolve around him because and we say this all the time about, about fantasy football too. It's like, when is Derrick Henry going to break down? Like it's always a reluctant pick in the top five, even though he's been as good as he is, because it's like at some point there's no way that his body can withstand the, the absolute beating it gets every year in terms of the volume, in terms of the way he runs, in terms of the power that he runs with. Um, and he's proven us wrong. So I think we're at a point where it's just like, all right, until you prove me wrong, Derrick Henry, like this is your show. And, and it has to be. It has to be. You're, you're 100% right, Scott. I mean, Tannehill's a, a, a nice quarterback. I, I still think, you know, like an interesting spot here. Would you rather have Tannehill or Kirk Cousins? To me, they're, you know, kind of, they each have different strengths. They each have different weaknesses. I'd probably lean slightly towards Tannehill only because of the athleticism, but Kirk Cousins has made some throws this year that only a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL can make, and he's won some big games. He's also lost them a couple of games too. So you take some, you lose some, but at the end of the day, I keep doing that. Um, Derrick Henry is this team. He's absolutely this team. And it doesn't matter how much of a workload he gets. It's, because it's he, like, yeah. He's just on another, me. he's another level of athlete. Like, yeah, it, it rem- it reminds me in basketball of like when you talk about you have a team with an, a, a bona fide superstar and a team with like a, a better than average role player um, that's close to superstar. Like take the I, I'd say take the Portland Trailblazers, for example, like is the offense going to run through CJ McCollum? No, it's going to run through um, it's going to run through Damian Lillard. Like that's just a fact because Damian Lillard's the best player on the floor. Same thing here. Like A.J. Brown, great wide receiver. Julio Jones, shadow of himself. Ryan Tannehill, probably pretty decent top 15 NFL quarterback in the NFL right now. Is there any way the offense is going to run through these guys? Hell no. It's got to be Derrick Henry. No, but they, but I don't think they have to run through them. I think they run in conjunction with it, right? Like when you have Derrick Henry doing what he does, it makes A.J. Brown better. It makes Julio Jones better. And yes, Julio has been injured throughout the majority of the season so far. But when he's been healthy, he's made some incredible plays. Like I am in no means counting out Julio Jones as just a non-factor to this team. Even Ferkser, right? They lost Johnny Smith and people are thinking like, well, they don't have a tight end now. Well, Ferkser has stepped up and been a really nice weapon for, for Ryan Tannehill. 
And I, as much as I do understand, like, hey, Tannehill, or sorry, Derrick Henry, like, is is the guy here? You know, I just, I, I am not going to say that Derrick Henry is the only thing that makes this offense good, but he is the biggest reason why he's good. Because if it's not for Derrick Henry, then AJ Brown, Julio, Tannehill, I don't think the rest of them look as good. They, they just wouldn't. That being said, Derrick Henry has an ability to take over games in a way that is incredibly difficult in football. There, In my mind, there are only four players in the NFL that can take over a game single-handedly, right? He's a Madden cheat code. It's, it's Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Derrick Henry, and Aaron Donald. Those are the only, and maybe after what we saw on Sunday night, maybe you can throw TJ Watt into that conversation as well. But those four guys can take over a game and basically win it for you. And Derrick Henry, 20 carries for 143 yards and three touchdowns, 143 yards on only 20 carries. And yeah, he had the long 76-yard touchdown run, which plays a part of it. But right now, Derrick Henry has 783 rushing yards on the season. Oh, my God. He has 260 more yards than the next leading rusher in the NFL, who is Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb missed last week. So, you know, take he's that for this week. And he's missing that this week. So take that for what it is. But even still, Ezekiel Elliott, who's had an awesome year, he's third at 521. They've played the same amount of games. And Derrick Henry still has 262 more yards than the next running back, the next player in the NFL. I am, I am can beyond blown away beyond blown away by what Derrick Henry has done. And the crazy thing is he looked on that 76 yard touchdown round. He looked faster than I feel like I've ever seen Derrick Henry look like he was moving. He got touched once. Yeah. Because normally it's like, he's one of those guys who kind of looks like he's running in slow motion, but actually, actually he's running like ridiculously fast. He looked fast. And if, if you have that guy on your team, with a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, and two great wide receivers. I still have him as a great wide receiver, Julio Jones. To me, he's still a great wide receiver when when he's fully healthy, which he just hasn't been. They're going to be really hard to stop, and they're going to be games that they lose because the defense drops it for them, but there are going to be games where the defense steps up, and you think about how easily Buffalo moved the ball down the field in the first half, especially in that first quarter and those two drives both of which ended in field goals. And that goal line stand, that bend don't break defense ended up being the difference maker for them. So Tennessee is one of those teams, kind of like Minnesota, where it's like they could beat anybody and I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be overly shocked. But if they went out and, and lost to Cincinnati or they lost to the Panthers, you know, like I'm also not going to be totally shocked either. They're just one of those teams. It's it's just like their defense had just started turning a corner. I feel like now Caleb Farley out for the year, the rookie, uh, the rookie cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Uh, he's done for the year. AJ Brown is still sick on the offensive side. Uh, I just I don't know. I think this game said more about uh, the Titans playing well than it did about the Bills playing bad because the Bills played great too. I mean, they really did. Their offensive explosion. Uh, was just as good as it had been any other week. They just ran into uh, a couple of tough calls, uh, particularly that 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 fourth down call at the at the end of the game. Do you go for it? Do you kick the field goal to tie? 
the analytics suggests you go for it, especially when you have a guy like Josh Allen in the backfield running the mm-hmm. ball. The Titans just made a better play. And and like I said, the Titans defense trying to turn a corner, and I think they lost one of their key guys in, in the cog there. Um, but you know, kudos to them for the for the toughness they played with against what we think is the best team in the AFC. I didn't realize Caleb Farley was out for the year. Did they say what it was? No, I I, I haven't seen a, a definitive knee or or body part injury. I just know he's he's done for the for the season. I'm pretty sure. Because you got to remember and think back to the yeah, think back to the draft. He was initially the number he's one. No, I know. I'm, ta- I'm talking about going into the going into the draft. It was him and uh, Patrick Sertan. Those were the top two cornerbacks initially that people were talking about. JC right? Horn was third. They, they and JC Horn was the Niners. Was 12, third. Yeah. But Caleb Farley had this injury history with this back issue and and some things that were a little bit worrisome. Even though they saw the raw talent, he didn't play in 2020. He opted out of that season, as you said. Um, but they're down. I believe their top three cornerbacks. Uh, ACL. It was an ACL, and that's just heartbreaking for a kid who's battled back from weird injuries and still ended up being a first-round draft pick. Uh, I, I will give a shout-out. Jeffrey Simmons was a first-round pick that they had a couple of years ago, I believe out of Mississippi State, and he was the defensive tackle, hadn't really shown a whole lot in his first two years, and a lot of times with like interior defensive linemen, Year three is kind of the year that they break out. It was the same thing with Fletcher Cox, same thing with Chris Jones. A lot of these big run-stuffing guys uh, who can also find ways to pressure the quarterback. Jeffrey Simmons is kind of in that category. We're seeing a little bit of it with Derek Brown right now in Carolina, who's done a great job of just game-wrecking for the Panthers. But that year three jump is a big one for them. And it's something about, you know, finally finishing developing because think about it right you're 21 22 coming in your body's still not done developing and you're going up against you know 30 year old offensive linemen who are fully developed fully strong and by year three you know you're 24 maybe 25 you have all of your body mass is like all your bones everything's finished developing and now it's like all right i'm used to the speed my body's stronger i'm built now and I can kind of get after it. And Jeffrey Simmons has had a great year, but he's the one that made that huge, huge stop on the goal line there against Josh Allen, split the gap beautifully at his size, at his speed and his quickness. That is hard to do. Uh, it was an epic, epic Monday night game. And shout out to shout out to Derek Henry and the Tennessee Titans, who did just a, a fantastic job uh, going up against a team that I think many of us believe, and, and I still do believe, is, is the best yeah. team in the AFC and might be the best team in all of football. Yeah. And uh, although the window's closing, it looks like in the AFC. A little bit, a little bit. I think I think the AFC is probably the worst of the two conferences right now. Yeah, agreed. Um, which is not something we've seen a whole lot of. If you go back through the last you know 15 to 20 years of the NFL, the AFC has been the predominantly dominant conference. But Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City having a bit of a down year so far. I mean, they're three and three through six weeks. And again, I still expect them to be one of the best teams in the AFC. But after that, it's, you know, Cleveland was a team that we expect a lot out of, and they're getting absolutely hammered with in- injuries. And that is a perfect segue for us to get into our uh, week preview because Thursday night game tonight, as the time of us recording it, we have Cleveland hosting the Denver Broncos in 
like I said, in Cleveland. That's what hosting means, Jeff. Come on, get your shit together. Uh, mm -hmm. This is an okay. interest. This is you're the host. I am the host. <laughs> I should know these things. Uh, this is an interesting matchup here, okay? Because Cleveland is banged up. No Nick Chubb. No Kareem Hunt. No Baker Mayfield. All right. Some positive news for the Browns is that Jarvis Landry will uh, is active and I believe will be playing tonight. So you have Case Keenum who's done some things in the NFL. Let's not forget 2017. He led the Minnesota Vikings to a 12-4 and record to the NFC Championship game when they got absolutely demolished by the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, just thought that should be mentioned. And, oh, yeah. Way to drop that in. And the defense <laughs> has shown some signs of improvement, but their standout rookie linebacker, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, is now on IR. So the one weak spot in that defense it looks like it's probably going to be weak again. The secondary, Greedy Williams in his second year, you know, we've seen flashes of him be looking really good, but hasn't quite been the guy that people thought he was going to be. Uh, Grant Delpit, after having a really hot start, he missed all of last year, his rookie year. So this is really his rookie year. Uh, Grant Delpit, again, hot start, unfortunately, has kind of tailed off a little bit. The secondary has not been as strong as we thought. The one bright spot for the Cleveland Browns is their defensive line can still get after you. That is not going to be a problem. They've been pretty good against the run. However, they're going up against the Broncos team here where I don't really know what to make of them. Because, yes, where the, could you call them frauds because their 3-0 start were against three teams that combined had zero wins after three weeks? Yes, you can absolutely do that. But we've also seen them fight and claw and hang in in every single game after that. Teddy Bridgewater has been a little bit banged up. He had a quad injury. Uh, I believe the last I checked is signs point to he will be playing in this game tonight. If he ends up not, then I apologize. But if Teddy Bridgewater is starting in this game, they pose a really interesting threat against the Browns because the Browns who have been good against the run so far this year are going to get a healthy dosage of Melvin Gordon, the third and Javante Williams and how they adjust to that without having their starting stud linebacker, who's been great this year in JOK how they adjust to that while also realizing, you know what, this team can actually throw the ball because they have legit wide receiving weapons. Uh, Jerry Judy came off the IR this week. I don't know if he's playing or not, but Cortland Sutton, he's not. Yeah. he's not playing this week, so we should see him back next week. But even still, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, two really solid wide receiving options, Noah Fant as well. How they're able to adjust to this offense after losing such – a piece that shouldn't be as important as it is because he's a rookie, but has proven to be a big piece of this defense will be interesting to see right now. Cleveland is a one and a half point favorite at home. How are you feeling about this game, Scotty? How do you like the Broncos on the road? In Cleveland? Uh, I, I like the way the Broncos defense sets up against the, uh, the lack of run game. I think they're the, Bron the Browns are going to have to lean on Deionis Johnson <clears throat> quite a bit. Um, him and, Demetric Felton. Um, but other than that, I, I, I don't see them really letting it loose. The weather's going to be a little slick anyway. I don't see them letting Case Keenum loose to throw the ball, um, even though Jarvis Landry's back. I mean, that's a nice safety outlet. OBJ is going to be in there, Donovan Peoples Jones, of course. And then they're there. Who knows what they get out of their tight ends? It depends on the week. But I think that defense is well set up to defend any of those options. If they had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt coming at you, different story. Because um, it's tough for any defense in the league to to stop them. Um, on the offensive side of the ball for the Broncos, I think they're you know with Teddy Bridgewater coming back, that gives you a at least a little bit of stability. 
Um, and I think the key is going to be the change of pace that the running backs give you. Uh, not necessarily that they're going to run the ball down your throat, but the change of pace that they give you and, and, and throw the, the, the second level and the, and the secondary off. Uh, and that kind of opens it up for, for guys like Noah Fance to have a big game, especially with a banged up linebacking core and, uh, and Tim Patrick even, and, and Cortland Sutton, I think is going to absolutely have a monster game. So um, I just like the way that, that the matchup sets up for, for Denver with all the injuries on both sides of the ball for Cleveland. So, uh, and, and Denver is due for one after, after the, the last three that they've had. So, yeah. Yeah. I, if this is Baker Mayfield playing to me, it's a no brainer. You're going with Cleveland um, simply because I just think I, th- there's something about a certain feeling right around an organization. There were so many, so much expectations with Cleveland and we've seen a lot of Cleveland fans not be happy with how this has started, but the game plan is going to be simplified. They just, I mean, Odell's questionable. Yes. They're hopefully getting Jarvis Landry in there tonight, but I don't see how they're going to move the ball against a really good Denver team. And to me, this is which off because both teams have good defenses. So which team do you trust to move the ball better? And would I be stunned if Case Keenum comes in and plays well and and the Browns win this game? I, I wouldn't be. But I would be shocked. I'd be a little surprised if nothing else. And to me, I see the Brown, I see the Broncos and Teddy Bridgewater at least being able to move the ball, or at least being able to go down, you know, move the ball to some extent. They have enough weapons left. They're a little bit healthier. It's just can that offensive line hang up? Garrett Bowles, who's their offensive tack, one of their offensive tackles, he's questionable for this game, but again, expected to play. I like Denver to win. I think they win probably by a field goal. I think it's going to be a relatively close game. Um, and expect a, a healthy, again, a very healthy running attack. Uh, you know, and, and I'll throw this to the Broncos so far, two and one on the road. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, Vito also took the Broncos. Like I said, Vito yeah. gave us, he sent in his picks. He submitted his picks. So we will get Vito in here, uh, as well, but Vito also took the Broncos. So we'll see. And as be- what's become a tradition on these shows is, uh, everyone can laugh at us and, and how wrong we were about our picks, it's uh, fine. Broncos are 12 point, and eight. Broncos are 12 and eight against the spread on Thursday nights. So give me the Broncos too. Well, I saw an absolutely absurd, absurd stat here. And uh, let me see if I can pull it up. This is real timing it uh, about Teddy Bridgewater covering, covering the spread. It is, it is an all time, all time statistic. Uh, let's see here. We're, we're scrolling. It was on Twitter. Here we go. Teddy Bridgewater career. 23 and four against the spread on the road and 19 and two against the spread as a road underdog. Oh man. 23 and four on the road and 19 and two against the spread as a road underdog. Yes. I'm taking Teddy Bridger. All that did was just cement, (laughs) just cemented what I already said. (laughs) Um, All right, let's move to the one o'clock games. Couple again, a couple interesting games, a couple of duds, but this is why we gamble and this is why we have fantasy football because it makes the less exciting matchups that much more exciting. We have the Washington football team going on the road to take on the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Does Aaron Rodgers own the Washington football team? Uh, probably more so than Dan Snyder does, hopefully, in a couple of years. Right now, the Packers are a 
seven and a half point favorite. You get the seven mm. and the hook. How are you leaning so far right now? The Washington football team defense looked a little bit better, at least in the first half. But Aaron Rodgers is a whole nother animal. And I know Kansas City is incredible, but with Kansas City struggles and not really having a running game, you got a two, two-headed monster there and Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon coming at you there. And it's in Green Bay. Uh, that, that line seems a little low for me, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing about the, the defensive attack uh, of, of Washington that has impressed me. It looked a little better last week, but I, I don't think that there's enough in the tank to beat. I mean, Aaron, so here's the thing that could work in the, in the Washington defense's favorite. Aaron Jones has been slowly less involved in the running game. He had 13 rushes last week compared to A.J. Dillon's 11. Uh, so so the, the volume share on, in, out of the backfield is, is close to even. The difference is, can they get Aaron Jones out of the backfield catching the ball like they have in the last few games? Uh, Aaron Jones ended up with 17, I think, total touches in the game last week against, uh, against the bears. And that to me right now, the bears are a much tougher defense than Washington, uh, than Washington right now. So, um, if they can get Aaron Jones involved, uh, like that in, in a capacity where they're, they're kind of splitting his touches in between running volume and, uh, and catching the ball out of the backfield, I think they're in good shape. Uh, I don't have to tell you about Devonte Adams, uh, but I think the other weapons need to sort of step up uh, a little bit on offense for Packers fans to feel comfortable. Robert Tunyon's had a quiet year. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has taken the top off at times and then at other times not look like he belongs on a football field. So I don't know. Uh, I, I think there they're, they're are guys that and, – and this is a thing that Aaron Rodgers does best is make it, his offensive guys look great. Uh, not that they're not great players, but he makes he makes the most out of out of the talents that that, that he has, and he's had to do that because uh, of the lack of uh, relative lack of talent that's been around him. So uh, I don't see a touchdown is is a lot, but I I mean the way the Washington defense has played and and Antonio Gibson is banged up and Logan Thomas is out still. Gosh, I mean all they've got is Terry McLaurin, Ricky Seals Jones, really. Uh, so a touchdown to me. Um, yeah, I'll take Green Bay. I'll take Green Bay reluctantly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you, and all three of us so far agree on the first two picks. We all have Denver, we all have Green Bay here. But I look, I, I give Washington credit that again, that first half they are, they're up 13 10 at halftime over Kansas City. I could see something similar happening right to start off, but I mean, Chicago's defense has been playing way better than Washington, mm-hmm. and in Chicago. Green Bay still covered the 10-point spread. So I think Green Bay's defense has been playing better and better each week. And I like what you said about, you know, look, Aaron Jones is not getting the same amount of volume. And I actually love that for Green Bay. I love that you have this workhorse. If I had him in fantasy, I wouldn't. But I love that they have, for, for the football perspective, I love that they're not, you know, crushing this dude with touches. Because once they get into the playoffs at the end of the season, that's a guy who's going to matter more than anyone else in the NFL. Like Aaron Jones could absolutely be a reason why green Bay makes it into, makes it to the super bowl and and competes for a a super bowl this year. 
because he's Aaron Jones, in my opinion, is a top five running back in football, just watching him play. They don't give him the touches because a, you have Aaron Rodgers, And for as good as Aaron Jones is, you want the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands even more because Aaron Rodgers might be a top five quarterback of all time. And two, you have a workhorse, a guy who's hard to tackle, and A.J. Dillon, who's been awesome this year. I loved him coming out of Boston College. I loved him last year, and I've loved him again this year. And so if you have a way to split that backfield up, split those carries up, and still allow to keep the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands, so that way, hey, come the postseason, come down the stretch when you need Aaron Jones, he has 30% less carries, but he also has 30% less hits on him than he did the year before. I'll take that. I'll take that every day and twice on Sunday because Mm -hmm. Aaron Jones is that good of a running back. If you just watch him with the eye test, you can see it. Like the guy is a monster. He can break tackles. He catches the ball really well out of the backfield. He's going to be a huge part of their potential Super Bowl Bowl run in Green Bay this season. Keep him healthy or as healthy as he possibly can. Yeah, and if you're getting the production from A.J. Dillon still, who's broken off like every game, he breaks off for one or two like 15 to 20-yard runs, moves the chain. Or a touchdown in the in the red zone too. Yeah, so save the guy. Because we saw we saw that Monday night. Was it Monday night against Detroit? The Aaron Jones just went, went off, right? Like he had three touchdowns or whatever it mm-hmm. was. I mean, like that's the version of Aaron Jones that you want to be able to see later on in the season. And we will be able to see it more and more because he's just that good. So Green Bay can beat you in so many different ways. And yes, MVS, it, you know, like you said, we've seen moments where he looks awesome and moments where he looks like, what are you doing, dude? Same thing with Alan Lazard. Same thing with uh, Equinimius, Equinimius St. Brown. Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb even. But even <laughs> still, all four of those guys are people, are guys you need to, be worried about and they still have bobby tons who's had a very bad season so far i was very mm-hmm. wrong on that prediction going into the year but i uh i just i really like green bay i think green bay is gonna i think green bay might be the best team in football them and them and the rams mm-hmm. are the two teams that really jump out to me tampa bay you throw in that mix as well arizona you can talk about um but green bay aaron Rodgers. i just i don't trust anybody in the league outside of tom brady more than i trust aaron Rodgers, and even still i all right, I'm not going to say more than Tom Brady, but he's in that same sphere. He really is. <laughs> I um, care about you. <laughs> uh, interesting matchup. That'd be a fun NFC Championship game, though. Tampa Bay, that. Green Bay. That's what we Again? had last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that game was awesome. So let's let's run that back, guys. Um, all right. Next one o'clock game: Kansas City and Tennessee. A very fun game here. Uh, this game is in Tennessee. Back-to-back home games. I can tell you right now, Derrick Henry is chomping at the bits to go up against that Kansas City secondary. All right, that's mm-hmm. a Kansas City defense. If Chris Jones plays in this game, Chris Jones is one of the few guys who I think actually makes a difference as to how good Derrick Henry can be. But he's been injured for the you know the last two weeks. We haven't seen Chris Jones in a little bit. Right now, Kansas City is a four and a half point favorite. You have to take into account for as much as you know, Derrick Henry is chomping at the bits to take over and go up against that, you know that terrible Kansas city chiefs defense, he's going to be on the opposite side. Patrick Mahomes has to be even more excited to go up against that depleted secondary in Tennessee, who right now is starting their fourth and fifth cornerbacks. Uh, Tyreek Hill might be in for a monster monster day. Same thing with Travis Kelsey. Both guys have been not their usual selves, but still pretty damn good so far this season. I think this game is really high scoring. Right now, the over-under is at 57 and a half. I would take the over on that 
But that four and a half, Kansas City as a four and a half point road favorite is an interesting number. Can, can Tennessee pull off the upset as a home underdog and cover that four and a half? Yes, they can. Mm. Kansas City is three and seven against the spread in their last 10. Tennessee five and five. But Ryan Tannehill is six and one against the AFC at home in his entire career. AFC West at home in his entire career. So give me Ryan Tannehill and them Titans. Tighten up. Taking the points of Tennessee. Uh, Our man Vito took Kansas City. And I'm going to go with Vito here on this one. I think. Yeah, I don't know why I'm doubting Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Well, it's not that you're doubting Patrick Mahomes. It's that you believe in Derrick Henry, you know, and the clock possession and the defense and everything else. I I just think Kansas City, A, I think they're starting to get the ship right. I think they had their rough start. I think last week that I think halftime of last week against Washington, I think that is when the flip switched for them. Right, teams are playing them differently defensively, no question. But I think halftime against Washington last week in Landover, Maryland, that was the turning point, the quote unquote Super Bowl video moment, right? You know, where it's like that's where Sports Illustrated Super Bowl video that they always used to make for teams, it'll start in the locker room and during that game where they come out at half after halftime and just put up 21 unanswered against Washington. Kansas City. In addition to that, they're going up against a team in Tennessee who's coming off an emotional win, a team in Tennessee who's coming off an emotional win. A short week for them, super banged up in the secondary. I think Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both have monster days, uh, and then they'll probably start to run the ball too. I just I don't see how Tennessee, with their fourth and fifth string cornerbacks, are going to be able to slow down arguably the most dangerous and lethal passing attack we've seen in the NFL for the last decade plus. So. Give me Kansas City to cover the four and a half. I think they win big in Tennessee because Tennessee is one of those Jekyll and Hyde teams. You're like, how did this team just beat Buffalo? Because they get up for big games. And instead, we got a one o'clock game on CBS that no one's really going to be watching unless you're in Kansas City or in Tennessee or watching the red zone. Feels like a letdown game for Tennessee after a big win. Uh, All right, we got kind of a poo-poo game here. Um, Atlanta on the road against Miami. Atlanta is a two and a half point road favorite uh, against the Dolphins. The Dolphins have been bad. The Falcons have also been pretty bad. Uh, they lost. They got. It's funny going back to Week One when they just got the crap stomped out of them by the Eagles, and it makes you think like, what happened there, man? <laughs> like, how is it that the, the Falcons, you know, lost the Eagle? I, I just I don't know. Maybe they're getting things together. They looked good in London the last time we saw them. Kyle Pitts got involved. Calvin Ridley's, Ridley's been away from the team uh, with personal issues. Um, not sure if he's going to be back for this game or not. I kind of want to pick Miami because I don't think Miami's as bad as we've seen to this point. Uh, and still, it's only a two and a half point line. So even if you know it's a one or two point game, you're still getting those points for the Dolphins at home. Tua had moments of looking pretty good last week. I uh, I don't know. I'm just I, I'm kind of favoring the Dolphins. Also, wait, did the Dolphins not get a buy after playing in London? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Wait, that's crazy. How did I, I, I that just computed in my brain right now? That's nuts. Oh man, maybe now maybe now I need need to reconsider this because usually teams get the buy right after they play that's, in London. Yeah. Well, we wouldn't want a ninth team on buy this week. Yeah, that would just be ridiculous. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm how are how are you it. feeling? Because I got to recalculate now after thinking about that. Um, dude, I, I 
this game is going to, even if Calvin really doesn't play, um, I still think the Falcons are a better football team right now. Uh, and, and two and a half on the road, uh, that's easy for, for young way Koo even, um, who's probably still one of the best kickers in the league for my money. Uh, I, I don't know that they have an answer for Cordero Patterson. And I think he's going to go absolutely ballistic. And so give me the Falcons at uh, two and a half. Oh, man. I, um, this might be dumb, but I, no, with coming back, I just don't think I can pick against my aunt. I, I don't think I can pick against Atlanta. Like, that's just, that's crazy. They didn't get a buy. Oh, Miami's just getting it rough. Hey, look, as an Eagles fan, we have their first round pick next year. So I'm rooting for the Falcons. Um, <laughs> all right. It's a, it's a, it's a queen sweep. Queen sweep. I know it's a clean sweep, but that's a little good mythical morning reference for mm-hmm. all you uh, mythical beasts, all you mythical beasts out there. There's so many that listen to this pod. I'm sure I have no idea what we're talking about, but all of us are the only people in the center of that Venn diagram. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm taking the Falcons. Um, all right. <laughs> the Jets. Going to Foxborough. First rematch of the year. Two teams already played each other once. We saw what happened the first time. Zach Wilson had no idea what was going on. Uh, New England's a seven-point favorite right now against the New York Jets in Foxborough. Uh, You know, look, the Patriots have had a couple of rough weeks. I think that game against Dallas was really telling, but it was a tough loss. They brought it down to the end, got into overtime. We saw they played a bad team after almost beating Tampa Bay the week before, and they damn near lost against Houston and it's only been a few weeks since Zach Wilson saw this defense how much can they change how much can it disguise against them the last time I picked the Jets I regretted it but I also wouldn't be shocked if the Jets make this some sort of a game I'm going to believe in Bill Belichick I'm going to believe that Mac Jones has been the better quarterback I think all encompassing the whole year I still think Mac Jones has been the best rookie quarterback so far though I think Trevor Lawrence is quickly catching up So I'm going to take the Patriots here to cover the seven. But if the Jets somehow find a way to cover, I would not be surprised here either. I'm going to hate myself. But guess what? This defense in New England has not played well. The only one who has played well at all since they last played the Jets is Matthew Judon. And and I'm not impressed with this team. I'm not impressed with the, the, the way they're scheming defenses. I'm not impressed with the way that they hang their head in games, even though they've they've managed to scrape by some. Yes, yeah, Scotty. Robert Sala is is coming off a bye. I don't know. This Do is it. this is one of those those gut check things for me. Seven on the road in Foxborough. Give me the Jets. So let's go. <laughs> the the yeah. Patriots, by the way, have screwed me the last three. I think it's two or three weeks in a row on against the spread. So them go Jets. Yeah, I've I've been in the same way. I mean, the fact that they I still don't quite understand how they didn't cover the the three and a half last week, though, that that touchdown actually ended up making me a good chunk of money on Sunday, uh, Sunday evening there when the overtime win instead of going down and kick the field goal because I had uh, Dallas covering the, the minus three and a half. So I was happy that they scored that touchdown. I know a lot of betters were not. Um I just can't believe that a week after the Patriots going up against one of the best offenses in all of the NFL was a three and a half point underdog. Now they're at home 
Actually, no, they were three and a half point. Were they a favorite going into the game? Now I got to go back. In which? Against Dallas last week. Ooh, got to go through my picks question. here. Got to go through my picks. I have keep track of all this written down like an old man. Uh, New England was a three and a half point underdog at home last week. All right. So that makes more sense because for whatever reason, my brain, I was in the past for a three and a half point favorite. Either way, um, you know, they're going up against one of the best offenses in all of football. And yes, no question, Dallas put up more yards than any other team that had ever gone up against the uh, the Pats, breaking the record the Eagles had in Super Bowl 52. But they also held Dallas to, what, like 25 points, 27 points, whatever it was. Like, it was that bend, don't break mentality. And in the red zone, they're so good. And that was going up against Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. I just don't see the weapons for the Jets here. And I think I think this is a get-right game. But again, if this is like a low-scoring, like six-point win, then that's just going to be brutal. And that's why I think this line is so perfectly placed right at seven. Um, all right, moving along here in the 1 o'clock games. Carolina on the road taking on the Giants. All right, right now Carolina is a three-point favorite on the road. Again, with these these home underdogs last week, they didn't do well, but traditionally and historically home underdogs do well against the spread. Uh, where are you leaning up here? Is it, is Carolina going to come back? Still no Christian McCaffrey, I believe, right? He's got another week or two before he can come back because he's on IR. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pulling up their injury mm-hmm. report right now. That's correct. Yeah. Um, they put him on last Saturday, I believe. Stefan Gilmore will not play, though this is the first game that he's eligible to play coming off of IR, which I think makes a big difference. Uh, And it looks as though the Giants are going to get some of their guys, some of the wide receivers back. Kadarius Toney, not likely to play, but Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, having those two guys back in the lineup will be good. Even John Ross is a deep threat could be in there. This just smells to me. They're also 0-3 at home, by the way. Uh, Daniel Jones, for whatever reason, plays really bad at home. It's a really weird kind of like Daniel Jones trend. Bad city. Bad city to bet and play poorly at home with. <laughs> but I don't think they go 0-4 at home. I, I just I, – I've fallen out of the Panthers without – especially without Christian McCaffrey. That's just not the same team. I mean, the fact that they lost that game to the Eagles a couple of weeks ago is still crazy to me. The fact but that, you know – Name somebody on the Giants who can stop them, offensively or defensively. I just – I can't. I mean, I think Leonard Leonard Williams does such a good job in the running game along the defensive line, and the D-line is still pretty good. I, I think they'll do a decent job against the run, against Carolina, because Carolina's offensive line is bad. And so if Carolina's going to win this game, cover that three points, it has to be on the arm of Sam Darnold. And without Christian McCaffrey, Sam Darnold just hasn't been good, and this just feels like one of those games that the Giants are going to win. I, I just – I don't know why, you know, and, and I think – you know, Joe Judge came out, and I feel like the team's kind of playing for Joe Judge and kind of playing for uh, Gettleman up there in the front office because I think both of those guys, I think the seats are – especially Gettleman, but I think even Judge a little bit. I think the whole Joe Judge, you know, going to make all the coaches run loud. I think that stuff has started to wear off a little bit, but this feels like a like a, a make-or-break game for the New York Giants. It's like, hey, we are not a one-in-five football team. All right, we're better than what our record shows – but as Bill Parcells always said, you are what your record says you are. So I, I don't believe in the New York Giants. I don't think the Giants are a good football team. But again, if they win this game, I'm not going to be surprised. So 
Uh, I'm a little split here. How are you seeing this one right now as the Panthers are a three-point favorite uh, on They're the road? 100% what their record is at one and five. They're going to be one and six. And in terms of the spread, I think it's tight. Um, three points. Uh, oh, Lord. Um, the Panthers' point differential, uh, the average against the spread this week, this year is um, – is uh minus 0.6 so three points uh give me the panthers on the road you're taking the panthers on the road i just they they have more weapons Uh, even if if you're trusting sam donald's arm to throw the ball that's fine you've got dj Moore. you've got uh you've got robbie anderson if he can catch the ball uh you've you've got uh ian thomas that that's an outlet as well um and you have uh terrence marshall so like I don't understand how that is still all that together. And you have Chuba Hubbard out of the backfield, who, by the way, is a serviceable running back. He's not Christian McCaffrey, but he can get you what you need in terms of the running game um, to open up some of that passing. So there's nothing about that to me, all that on paper that says that that's worse than anything the Giants are going to throw out. So Panthers. And I, th- I, you know, I think I'm with you and, and Vito also took the Panthers. I think we're all going to take the Panthers on this one. Uh, what, what's kind of deciding it for me is would you rather have Sam Darnold and Joe Brady on offense, or would you rather have Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett? Yeah. See, that's more logical. I agree with you. Uh, my, my other portion of logic is I can't take both New York teams against the spread this week. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and also there's going to be no Saquon this week, which hurts them. Uh, I think maybe if Saquon was playing in this game, I'd feel the, differently. But yeah. By the way, just put him on IR. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, he was questionable throughout most of the week. I think he's. I think he'll be back next week. So if you put him on IR, he would have had to have missed, uh, I believe, five why games, would, six games. I don't maybe. understand why you would do that so, to a player, though. But whatever. Because that's. I mean, Joe, this is the same guy who had Daniel Jones getting the shit kicked out of him at the end of last game just to put up garbage time points against the Rams less than a week after he got his dome crashed into by a freaking 260 pound linebacker. So Joe judge is this old school football guy. And I just, I, I think Joe judge in all the worst ways though. Yeah. The the Maras don't like moving. don't like to move on from coaches a lot, but I I don't see Joe judge as as a long-term fit there. Uh, in the in New York, um, the last game of the one o'clock window, and what has to be the best game, I would say, or at least the game that I'm most intrigued about, Cincinnati going to Maryland, and they're taking on the five and one Ravens. If you had Cincinnati four and two and Baltimore five and one uh, at this point in the season, you probably would have won some decent money because I don't think many people thought the Bengals were going to be that good. And I think there were a lot of reservations about what we were going to see out of Baltimore this year. I think we knew they would be competitive. And we think, I think for the most part, people thought, Hey, Baltimore is probably going to be, you know, a 12 win, 12 and five kind of a team right now. Baltimore looks like they might be the best team in the AFC. They've beaten the next two best teams in the AFC record wise and the LA chargers and the Kansas city chiefs. You said, uh, I believe two weeks ago on the pod that you thought Cincinnati was the best team in the AFC. Are you staying with that prediction? Are you going to pick the Bengals to cover six and a half points against Baltimore? Sticking by it, six and a half and the outright, uh, because this team is better than the, than the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I'm sorry. Take it, Maryland. I don't care. Come at me. Uh, this team is better than them. I'm sorry. 
like they what's just the what's the rationale? Because I think they're better out of the backfield. Number one, uh, save for Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you're getting Devontae Freeman or 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 Latavius Murray falling into the end zone, right? So you're better there. I think at quarterback, it's it's a toss up because Joey Burrow is going to sling the ball uh, where where Lamar Jackson can can threaten you on, in two different ways. So a slight advantage, probably a little more than slight advantage, Baltimore. Wide receiver wise, that core is ridiculous, and the chemistry that Joe Burrow has with his wide receivers. There's now, granted, Baltimore's defense has made a, a big leap in the last. I'd say even three weeks, um, but to have to cover, uh, to have to cover Joe Mixon in the run and even out of the backfield, uh, and then uh, Tyler Boyd, uh, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase, who's going to take the top off and burn everybody deep? Forget it. Joey Burrow is going to win that game nine times out of ten, hmm. and this might be the the tenth, but I, I think it's close. I, uh, I, I think it, you know what? So this is the thing. Six and a half feels like a, like a big number for Baltimore to be able to cover here. Um, I, I would push back on you with, with this. I don't think Cincinnati's better out of the backfield. I know Joe Mixon's having a really, really good season. Uh, statistically, he's in the top five in rushing yards. He's doing great catching the ball out of the backfield. They also got Samaji Pirine uh, coming back this week off the COVID list which will help them as, as more of a scat back guy who can kind of catch the ball. And Chris Evans, we saw had a big touchdown catch last week. So far this year, the Baltimore backfield, Lamar Jackson's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. Latavius Murray is averaging 3.6, which is not great, but it's also not terrible. Tyson Williams is averaging 5.5, and Devontae Freeman is averaging 5.9. They almost have – they're five yards away from having – four different rushers over 100 rushing yards they have two or so they have three over 170 and two over 200 lamar is leading the team with 392 rushing yards and on the other end here they have two receivers in marquise brown and mark andrews both with over 460 yards receiving combined eight touchdowns averaging 15 yards per catch and 13.8 yards per catch respectively i i think this game's going to be close i think this is a the first scoring too i think it's going to be the i I disagree i think this is going to be a high scoring game really i not high high but i think this is like a 32 to 28 or 32 to 26 kind of a game here like i think it's it's not going to be i think both teams are well into the 20s at this point uh i was i'll say this the one question mark i had about baltimore was the defense and what they did against the cheat uh, against the Chargers last week, which look, the Chargers went for it on basically every fourth town that they you know possibly could, which definitely hurts your defense. And so I think some of those numbers are a little bit skewed. But still, what the what the Ravens defense did to slow down a, an absolutely humming Chargers offense was really, really impressive. I think they're gonna have a good game plan, but I also believe in Joey Burrow. I have Cincinnati to cover the six and a half, but I think they lose by a field goal. And our man Vito, he's been rolling with the Baltimore cover train pretty much every single week. He is all in on the Ravens. He's sticking to it this week. He has the Ravens covering the six and a half. But I'll tell you what, 
if the Ravens come out and this is a, you know, a touchdown, two touchdown victory, I also wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I just wouldn't. I just think, you know, this is the same team that basically should have lost to Detroit if it wasn't for the longest field goal in NFL history. Uh, so the Ravens are a team that's absolutely susceptible to a, a letdown game. And I think we might see it here, but I think the difference is that they find ways to pull those wins out. I think they do it against Cincinnati, but by a field goal, I think Justin Tucker walks it off. Uh, all right, the four o'clock games. First up, we have the Philadelphia Eagles traveling coast to coast, going out to Vegas. First time the Eagles are playing in Vegas. Uh, right now, the Raiders off of a big, big win on a Sunday afternoon, game number two for a man, Rich Pisaccia. Uh, I actually, two of the guys I work with, Jacob Hester and EJ Manuel, both played for Rick Pisaccia. And I was asking them this week about it. I said, what? I was like, does he have any realistic chance of holding on to that job? And both of them said yes. And I asked him, I was like, how? Like most interim head coaches in the NFL do not get a chance to do that. What makes you, what makes you think this? And they're like, he's just one of those guys. He's just one of those uniquely special, overwhelmingly loved. No one has a bad thing to say about this guy. Um, but the thing with interim head coaches is that first win, you know, that first win's almost a lock. But the rest of the season, I don't know, man. I don't know. And maybe this, maybe this Raiders team is built different, right? Like what I'd said moving up before all the John Gruden stuff happened was John Gruden wears people down. Like people get stick sick of the shtick. They get sick of the, I'll tell you what, man, you know, people get tired of all that crap with, with Gruden in a way that I think they would always start off hot and then eventually start to fade out. And that's what had been the last three seasons. Ken risk Rick Pisaccia as they were starting to kind of hit that, you know, all right, the Ravens were kind of frauds point. They come back with a big win and in Denver, can they keep this up right now? They're a three point favorite at home going up against the Eagles who, I mean, the Eagles could come out and look awesome. The Eagles can look, come out and look terrible. I have no idea what to make of them at this point. Um, they, they, they're very good at trying to cover the spread. I'll give them that after what they did last week, but how do you see this one playing out here out in the desert? Uh, this line is about dead on <clears throat> to me. I, I just, so to me, it comes down to, to one thing, one or, or a couple of things. One can, uh, the Eagles have been talking about it for the last, what, five weeks almost, but can they get anything going with Miles Sanders? Because if you can, this is the, the defense and the defensive line to do it with, especially as good as the, the Eagles offensive line has played despite all their injuries. Can you get Miles Miles Sanders going? If you can, you're you're in for a big day offensively. I think Devontae Smith can take the top off of that defense and have some really big plays. I'm worried that Jalen Hurts is both inaccurate and will decide to run too much uh, against this team because they do. While Devontae Smith can beat you deep, the rate the Raiders defense has been good at covering well uh, in the in the secondary this year. So. Um, and then on the, on the offensive side of the ball for, uh, for the Raiders and, and defensive for the, for the Eagles, uh, it's, it's tough. They got three guys who three receivers, I think who can, um, who can have an impact Henry Ruggs, I feel like is going to get shadowed by what is probably, probably the best, uh, 
the best zone secondary in, in, or one of the best zone secondaries in the NFL right now. And, and Darius Slay is going to be all over him. Um, so take that big play ability away from Henry Ruggs, but you still got Hunter Renfro out of the slot. The Eagles aren't great defending the slot receiver this year. Um, and you have uh, uh, Brian Edwards too. So um, I, I'm not, I'm less worried about their running backs, Josh Jacobs and, and Kenyon Drake, uh, and more worried about the wide receivers. But if you, if you do, decide to target one of those for uh for extra coverage than uh darren waller who seems like he's fallen off a cliff uh in in the last few games darren waller becomes a guy that Derek carr looks to and is like hey you're open over the middle <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna feed you the ball 19 times like i did in week one yeah this this game is one one of two things it's an absolute blowout by the raiders or it's an eagles win and a nail biter i don't see it going any other way this to me is is the game the Eagles inexplicably win, and and really shouldn't, but somehow we'll find a way to do so. Uh, the 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 big key here, I think, is is Jalen Hurts has not been great. He's continuing to miss throws. We still see some flashes of looking good, but he's finding ways to move the ball. And the big thing with him is going to be the way he can run with his legs. And I think what we saw in the, in the Monday night game to kick off the year was Lamar Jackson could run all over the place against this Raiders team. Raiders are in the bottom half or bottom third of the league and run defense. They're doing pretty well in, in pass defense. And so I think they're going to key in on a lot of the, you know, the wide receivers, a lot of the guys, uh, you know, and the Eagles second and the Eagles wide receiving core. Um, the other interesting thing here I'll throw for the Eagles benefit is after the Zach Ertz trade, Dallas Goddard missed last week because of COVID protocols got announced today. He's back. So we're going to see Dallas Goddard play this week, which is great for the Eagles. And then we might see Lane Johnson. We won't know until Friday morning, but Lane Jan Johnson back at Eagles practice today. And if the Eagles have a fully health, well, almost fully healthy offensive line, at least having their two starting tackles and Jason Kelsey there, you can move. Jordan Mailata back to the left side. I think Mailata and Lane Johnson both can handle Mason Crosby or Max Crosby, who's the one guy on that defensive line that you're really afraid of. And other than that, I think the Eagles are going to do a pretty good job. I mean, they did a really good job against Tampa Bay's front four last week. And Tampa Bay's front four is a hell of a lot better than the Vegas's. So I think the Eagles are actually going to do a pretty good job. I think the Eagles are going to be able to score points. The question is, how does the defense fare? And I think you hit it on the head with Darius Slay. I think Darius Slay is going to eliminate whoever it is that he's matched up against. If it's Darren Waller, if it's, uh, you know, Henry Ruggs, you know, the numbers that Darius Slay had against Tyreek Hill, who's just a, the better version of Henry Ruggs, were ridiculous. It, you know, Tyreek Hill got his three touchdowns and 200 yards receiving against the Eagles when he was matched up against Steven Nelson. And Steven Nelson has been playing better of late. And if he's up against Brian Edwards or if he's up against, um, you know, Hunter Renfro and even still Avante Maddox. I know you said they haven't been great out of the slot to start the season. They struggled, but they moved Avante Maddox as the full-time starting nickel corner. And he has been awesome since moving mm -hmm. there. He's really found a home in the nickel and that slot spot. So I think the Eagles defense actually has a good chance of slowing down this offense. And the big thing that can make a difference is if Darren Waller just goes absolute bananas. If Darren Waller decides to take this game over and has one of those vintage, you know, 200 yards, two touchdowns, one of those monster days, the Eagles are going to be in some trouble. But if they can find a way to neutralize him, whether it's putting uh, Rodney McLeod or, 
you know, even someone like Davion Taylor, who's just a freak athlete, you know, kind of trying to cover him or even Avante Max or Darius Slay. I think the Eagles can actually be okay. And I, I'm going to say it, this is probably dumb, but I'm taking the birds in the upset. Give me the Eagles. Fly mm-hmm. Eagles fly. Yeah. The Eagles have done better when I've bet against them so far this year, but you know what, at this point, what do we got to lose? Let's yeah. Go birds. Yeah, you're right. You got a couple of early draft picks coming your way because the Raiders are going to win this one uh, in a close game, but uh, I think they cover the three. Well, you and Vito are both on Vegas here. Uh, The next four o'clock window game, we have the Detroit Lions going on the road. Little revenge game here. Uh, They're taking on the Rams. These next three games all have absurd spreads, so just be wary of that, friends. Right now, the Arizona Cardinals are a fit, or sorry, the uh, Los Angeles Rams are a 15 point favorite at home against oh Detroit. God. I don't know how you feel about this, but this to me feels like Matthew Stafford going the fuck off. This is this is Matthew Stafford's put me in the uh, in the MVP conversation, like we were saying on Tuesday. Why is it Matthew Stafford not in the MVP conversation? This game is going to be the that eye-opening, oh, my God. 15 points is a lot. I think the lines are broken. And I think uh, Dan Campbell might have wasted his crying in a press conference maybe a little bit too early to try to galvanize the team. <laughs> G- give me the Rams here. We saw what they did to the Giants last week. I think we see more of the same. Yeah, I don't think it's close. <laughs> yeah, give me the Rams. I don't, there's, there's nothing that Detroit's going to throw out there that's going to be anywhere near as talented as the, as the Rams. So here's maybe a more interesting pick, which wide receiver for the Rams ends up with like over a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Deshaun Jackson. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. My, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say this is a Cooper cup week. I think he's going back yeah. to the, the, my little Cooper cup. Well, man. Yeah. This one's going to be ugly. And how about a huge day from Daryl Henderson? I like that one too. I think yeah. Daryl Henderson has like a two touchdown, just monster performance here. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe one at the goal line, maybe another in the passing game, but I could also see Sean McVay being like, we're, we're doing the Tom Brady thing where even when we get down to the goal line, we're still passing it. We have one yard to get, but we're still passing it because we want to just juice up Matthew Stafford's stats stats. So we'll see. Yeah. This one's not going to be close. Vito also has the Rams covering the 15 points uh the next wow, of that's the... surprising actually he, he usually doesn't take those big spreads yeah well he went he picked two out of the three big spreads that we have here and the next one is the houston texans we got another old matchup little rivalry matchup the texans going to arizona uh zach Ertz is there should be playing we got a little jj watt going up against the houston texans d-hop Will, will we see J.J. Watt get his first sack as an Arizona Cardinal in this game? I think yes. Uh, I would love that prop or uh, to put that on a parlay card. Uh, first sack for the Cardinals is, is J.J. Watt. Uh, sure, it's somewhere. In this game. Yeah, I would love to play that. Over um, under two and a half sacks for J.J. Watt. I'm still going to take the under. <laughs> Just because they're, well, I don't know. He might call it maybe, one. Maybe I was gonna say maybe maybe the uh, maybe the better number is one and a half. Yeah, he might fall into one. I think he'll get one, and and he might fall into another. But I think uh, he gets at least one. I think he gets yeah. at least one sack. I mean, he's gonna be juiced up to play in that game too. You know that. I think he gets um, two. 
I'm going to write this down. J.J. Watt gets two sacks. If, it, if this were in Houston, I would put that at, like, four. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Like, there's so many guys on that defensive line for Arizona that, that can get after the quarterback. And this offensive line for Houston is woof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and Davis and Mills, the... not great under pressure. This well, line. Then, what, what Davis Mills are you going to get? Are you going to get the four interception, Davis Mills, or are you going to get the uh, we're in the game late in the fourth quarter against the Patriots, Davis Mills? And also, what version of Arizona are we going to get? Are we going to get the Arizona that play, you know that was down it was eight points in the third quarter going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, but they played – say for that game, they played well against bad defenses this year. I mean, they torched Tennessee when Tennessee had no idea what their defense was. Um, and that was in like week one. I, I just, and uh, okay, but the line is the line is 17 and a half. 17 and a half. It's it's a huge offense. I it just I think there's so much better on both sides of the ball that 17 and a half is warranted. And so I'm gonna take the Cardinals at 17 and a half. Five and one and this year against the spread, by the way. This this is the biggest spread we've had. What's what was that number? Five and one are the Cardinals against the spread this year. This number is it's the biggest biggest number we've had all year. It's the biggest spread. And, and their average, uh, their their plus minus average against the spread is plus thirteen. So uh, we're quickly approaching that with the uh, with the seventeen and a half. So you I'm, took I'm gonna... the Cardinals. Vito took the Cardinals. I'm invoking my never bet on Davis Mills rule. Give me the Cardinals to cover the 17. <laughs> because that's one, that's one. If it happens and it's just an absolute blowout, you just feel so freaking stupid. Like what? Like I'm an absolute, like I'd rather, I'd rather be wrong about Davis Mills than be wrong about the, you know, the Cardinals absolutely demolishing them. You know what I yeah. mean? So yeah. yeah you feel better that. about that. All right. We have three more games left. For week seven, uh, the last of the monster spreads here, the Chicago Bears going to Raymond James Stadium, taking on the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Bucks are a 12 and a half point favorite at home. That number feels maybe a little too high, especially considering how, you know, we saw them fight close against Green Bay. But was that loss demoralizing enough to make you think, I don't know. And also, how far are the Chicago Bears to the Eagles? Because I think the Eagles and the Bears are pretty similar teams. Both have pretty decent defenses. Both have a mobile quarterback who's still kind of learning, who scrambles and kind of picks up yards. And the Eagles just covered the spread. Now, granted, the Eagles were at home, and it was a Thursday night game. But I could, I could see this being closer than 12-and-a-half. Our man Vito is taking the Bears at 12-and-a-half I'm going with him. Give me the Bears. Give me the 12 and a half points. There's no way that all three of these lines are going to cover. And so far, all three of us have taken the Rams and Arizona to cover the big spreads. Give me the Bears. I'm going to take the 12 and a half. All three are covering. Give me Tampa Bay. I, it, look, even if Gronkowski is, is not involved in terms of, you know, fantasy stats or whatever, if he's out on the field, you have to worry about him. And he's sure. much more of a, of a threat and a decoy. He's, he's better in the run game than 
um, than Cameron Braid or OJ Howard have been uh, since he's been out. So Gronk is questionable as we stand right now. If you're worried about him, even if he's out there as a decoy, and and then on top of that, you have to worry about Antonio Brown, who's probably as a top wide receiver, Mike Evans, who's a top wide receiver, Chris Godwin, who is is up there. Uh, those are three elite threats plus Tom Brady. I just I, I don't know. And you know, if Gronk's out there, he's gonna Tom Brady's gonna scheme up a play that that gets him wide open somehow in the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, even OJ um, Howard ended up with a touchdown against the Eagles last week. So yeah, we know I'm, Tom Brady likes you, the tight end. So you're, t- you're taking you this, Tampa Bay. I'm taking Tampa Bay that def- the bears defense is better, uh, but Tampa better than it's been uh, not better than the, than Tampa Bay's uh, just right. to clarify. So, uh, all right. But, but Tampa Bay, I think, you talk about overrunners. I think Justin Fields gets sacks about eight times this game. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I and he's definitely under two hundred yards. You can book <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think so too. Um, oh, excuse me. There's a yawn. That's the working all day, staying up all night. Um, <laughs> yawn right there. Sunday night, the Indiana uh, Indianapolis Colts going on the road to take on your San Francisco 49ers coming off of a bye. Jimmy G saying he look, he feels good. He looks good. He said he felt as good as he's felt he all season. He does always look good. He's a handsome son of a gun. <laughs> uh, right now, San Francisco is a four-point favorite. As someone who watched Carson Wentz for years and watched him on, uh, on primetime games, I can tell you uh, he's either going to be unbelievable or he's going to have a – horrible night you're locked into the 49ers uh looks like eli mitchell's finally going to be fully healthy and back in he looked really good in those first two weeks right now four points though i just think carson wentz has looked so good right now he has the longest streak this season of uh consecutive passes without an interception which is wild because they've just been riding jonathan taylor so much uh, he's had wide open targets. I think he throws a couple of picks. I think there's a classic Carson Wentz fumble in this game. And uh, I think the Niners win this game, but I'm still not sold on what that spread is going to be yet because it's four points. That's a dangerous spread. How are you feeling? And uh, by the way, our man Vito took the Colts here with the four points. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, Wentz is throwing the ball well. He's had two good performances in a row. And that secondary, who knows uh, what the hell is going to be out there uh, this week uh, for the 49ers. But um, another revenge game, Defoe uh, is back in the Bay. Uh, tough offensive line to try to get a sack on Jimmy G, though. So we'll see uh, because he's going to be matched up against Trent Williams. And that'll be a fun battle to watch all night, uh, DeForest Buckner and Trent Williams. But, um, man, I don't know. I, I I'd be interested to see uh weirdly like what Kyle Shanahan's record coming off the bye is um mm. because he seems like a guy who can you know for better for as well or, or as terribly as you played uh in uh, leading up to your bye week going into the bye week is probably when um is when they scheme up some of the 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 weirdest offensive crap that you've ever seen in your life but it works uh so even as banged up as we are, I think there's the talent still there. I'm 
I'm still not sold on Indianapolis's defense, uh, even though they had a great week last week. And I think uh, if there's one guy to, to that needs to step up in in the uh, in the post buy uh, portion of the season for the 49ers, it's Brandon Ayuk. And if you can get him involved um, as as much or 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 close to as as well as Debo has played, uh, then you are in business. Uh, whether or not you're on your third or fourth string running back. Uh, so I, again, not sold on the, on the Indianapolis defense just yet. If Jimmy G's in, I love it at four and a half. If it's Trey Lance, then I, I kind of lean a little bit toward the Colts just because uh, Carson Wentz is two and zero against the Niners in his career uh, against the spread. Uh, I'll, I'll take the Niners. I'll do it. Yeah. I, right now I'm leaning with you. I mean, obviously no George Kittle that hurts. Um, but keep in mind here, it came out today, unfortunate news, starting safety, a really good player for Indianapolis, Julian Blackman, who had been having a good season. He tore his Achilles in practice today. Uh, so they are now going to be shorthanded handed in the secondary. Xavier Rhodes is banged up. T.Y. Hilton's banged up after only playing one game. Darius Leonard is banged up. Quiddy Pay, who's been a, a pretty good first-round pick for them, uh, he's also banged up so this Colts team is struggling with injuries yeah, and, pay. and coming off of the rest getting a little bit of you know uh, getting our man Jimmy G back healthy uh, feeling good looking good and Howard. keep in mind too <laughs> I love Jimmy G so yeah you're right I should say mine because okay. you hate Jimmy G um, <laughs> even though he led you to a Super Bowl uh, oh. the big key here is how does San Francisco slow down Jonathan Taylor. And, and are they going to be able to do enough? Jonathan Taylor having a monster season so far, 87 carries, 472 yards. Eli Mitchell only playing in really two games so far this year. He's got 189 yards on 45 carries. The guy's been good when he's gotten opportunities. I think this is a probably a low scoring game. And that four points just scares me because every national game we've had this year, every Sunday night, Thursday night, Monday night football feels like it's just been a weird crazy game and i think we probably get another one of those and i think it's going to be close probably a field goal so because of that i have to take the colts but i do think san francisco ends up winning this game i just think it's by a field goal late uh, i think san francisco san francisco is the better team um but i think carson Wentz makes a couple of mistakes down the stretch and uh and ends up costing his team a win here kind of like he did on, on the monday night game against the ravens which was a game they should not have lost and if it wasn't for the couple of fumbles yeah. and a couple of the mistakes that he made, you know, th this Colts team probably would be sitting here at three and three, if not four and two. Uh, Monday night, first national Jameis Winston in New Orleans experience. Oh, baby. I'm fired up for this one. They're taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Geno Smith, give the man some credit. He hung in there, played pretty well. Uh, you know, may had TJ Watt just made that play on Sunday night, which was kind of the difference maker here. Right now, the Saints are a four and a half point favorite on the road, going to Seattle, one of the hardest places to play in all of football. I'm kind of getting my Chris Collinsworth voice there. You know, Scott, <laughs> it's it's one of the hardest places to play hardest in all places of football. You know, you know, Al, it is places. It gets very loud. And I don't know if James you never count out the 12s. Jameis Winston got his eyes fixed, but did he get his ears fixed? That's the question. And right now in that crowd in that stadium, we're going to find out, Al. I'm excited for this one. Oh, Al. 
Oh, wow. I don't know about that one, man. Um, so this is an interesting, <laughs> this is an interesting one here. Um, I kind of leaning towards the saints, but again, the Seahawks is, as our, as Kevin Clark has said, in one of the evergreen best evergreen football tweets of all time. If the, if Twitter had a hall of fame, which I saw an unbelievable tweet, which was someone said, is there a Twitter hall of fame? Cause we should put it in. And the tweet was Ben Simmons will do whatever it takes in all caps to get out of <laughs> Philadelphia. That was a report. And someone quote tweeted it and said, did he try getting into a, did he try getting to a fight and his mom gets scared. And I just, I just lost it. I was like, that is the greatest, that, that's the greatest tweet I've ever seen in my life. That's incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the that's Kevin Clark fantastic. tweet of the Seahawks have literally never played a normal game comes into effect here because at, at, you know, the C, the C, uh, the saints defense has been good way better than I thought they were going to be, but the Seahawks just looked pretty good against an even better defense in Pittsburgh. And I think Seattle's going to be able to move the ball a little bit easier, but can the Seahawks defense force Jameis into being old Jameis or not? And I think on the road, the Saints are going to struggle in this game. Our man Vito took the Saints to cover. Of course he did. He's our number one Jameis stand on this pod. But I'm going against him here. I'm taking the Seahawks to cover the four and a half. But if it's a field goal game, I wouldn't be shocked. I love that number four and a half for the Seahawks bet too because you're getting points. The field goal covers it, but you're also getting that extra hook there in case some weird stuff happens, you know, a two-point conversion, anything like that. So give me Seattle to cover the four and a half. Yeah, I, I like that too. I, I just the only way Seattle, or uh, I'm sorry, the only way New Orleans really asserts dominance in this game is is if they really get Alvin Kamara back into the mix, like in full. I'm talking like he's your number one guy in both the pass and the run, uh, like he had been so many weeks last year, and and the year before that, and the year before that. Um, not for, for a lack of, of Jameis Winston not being able to, to throw the ball deep or, or be able to throw medium to deep routes, but like Kamara's a playmaker. Yeah. That's what he does. So get Kamara involved. And, and really, I don't think that Seattle would have an answer for that because they'd have to drop Jamal Adams to try to stop him. And then, Hey, guess what? One of your guys, uh, is, is open deep Marquez Callaway or, uh, or, uh, oh, who's the other one that's banged up? that I've liked all year. Traquan Smith. No. Uh, damn it. Uh, anyway. Who are, you um, wait, who are you talking about? Now we got to figure this out. It's not Traquan uh, Smith. No. Then who, then who, who could it possibly be? Uh, I'll tell you in about two seconds. Once my internet loads, it is the person I'm Deontay, Deontay Harris. Harris. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I had, I, we found it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i uh, so like i said get kamara involved force jamal adams to to try to to go one-on-one -on -one with him and key on him in the backfield uh and in the past game too uh, i'd like to see kamara split out a little bit like he like he has been in the past so uh, that's the key i think for new orleans <clears throat> on the defensive side of the ball good luck with dk metcalf uh because uh he's tough to cover just plain and simple. And then yeah, on, the, I, on the other side of the field, on the perimeter, you're going to have Tyler Lockett. 
he's had a couple of down games and we all know that he's good for two two stinkers and then one uh one really big game so yeah um, if this is russell I'm wilson not- i'm all in on the seahawks i'm still taking the seahawks i think jamal adams is a really good matchup against alvin kamara and and you know what if if you're if you're sacrificing other stuff because remember too like jamal adams He's similar to Landon Do- uh, Landon Collins, who I-, I think Jamal Adams is better in in coverage than Landon Collins is, but you know he's a he's a a fast linebacker more so than he is a uh, y- you know a pure coverage safety. You know he's more Palomalo than he is Ed Reed, yeah. and I think Jamal Adams matched up against Alvin Kamara is a really favorable matchup for the Seahawks, um, at least in terms of slowing them down. And I'll say this. They did a really good job against Najee Harris last week. And I know Najee isn't necessarily, um, you know, at the same level yet as someone like Alvin Kamara, but Najee is someone who, with the exception of that goal line touchdown he had, they did a really good job of, especially in the passing game, of kind of keying on him. Jamal Adams is flying all over the field. I think that loss against Pittsburgh is going to reinvigorate this team or it's going to hurt them. And they play Sunday night they still get a full week, right? There is no downside to playing that Sunday night game because they're not playing until Monday. So they get that extra day of recovery. I think they come back. And I think the Seahawks uh, could could actually mess around and win this game. I just think they're going to, you know, the pressure that they got on Big Ben was surprising. And I think the one weak spot of the Saints right now is their offensive line. Uh, we ha- hasn't really been talked about a whole lot, but the offensive line just isn't, it's not bad by any means. It's not like a bad, it's not one of the worst, but they also haven't been tested much this season. And I think the Seahawks are going to be able to get after Jameis and, and look big time, prime time, Monday night game. It just smells like, Hey, Jameis, this is Jameis has gotten lucky a lot this year with some of his Jameis throws. And that luck eventually is going to turn. I think Seattle makes just enough plays because every single game they play is weird. I think Pete Carroll gets them hyped up for this. I think they at least cover the spread, and I think they might even mess around and win this game. Um, all right. Yeah, past Pete Carroll's bedtime, but Seattle's 24-12-2 and 12 and two against the spread on Monday night, so uh, well, I'm taking Seattle as well. You're taking Seattle as well? All right, so those are our picks to keep. Let's get you all updated on our picks so far on the season. So uh, in college football, Scotty, you are 19-17. and 17. I, I am 21-20. and 20. And Vito is an absolutely staggering 27 and 10. 27 Boy. and 10. If you want to make and some money, talk to Vito about college football bets. Vito has been unreal this year. Uh, in the NFL, you are currently leading the pack at 40 and 38 and one. We all have that one push. So 40, 38 and one. Vito is uh, actually you and Vito are tied. Vito is 39 and 37 and one. And I am in uh, last, but I am dead 500, 46, 46, and one. I've been driving this, you know, 500 train uh, for, for about the whole season. Uh, and then overall, Scotty, you are 59, 55, and one. I am 67. Just 10 more wins. <laughs> I am uh, 67, 66, and one. So just a game above 500. And Vito is, again, just an absolutely wild 66, 47, and one. Right now, that is like that is like what Stanford Steve and the Bear do. Like, Vito is in, like, pro handicap territory right now with some of his picks. Uh, but you know what? This is going to be a, a stink week. Actually, I don't want it to be that much of a stink week because he and I have a lot of similar picks here. 
Um, so I want him to do well. Just I want to be right on the ones that we differ on. I want him to be wrong. So uh, we will we, we will see. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll preview. There's no real head matchup in college football this week, but there's some interesting storylines to get to. So we will pick. I uh, have five games lined up for us to pick, Scotty. Uh, Vito did not send college picks, so this one's just going to be you and I. And, uh, and we'll do that with a little random life stuff at the end, and we will call it a day and get you on to your weekend. This week in college football, not what you would be uh, the most excited about, I'll say that. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things to talk about, because the beauty of college football is even on down weeks, chaos can happen. The whole shifting of the landscape can change. Uh, and a lot of times we see crazy upsets that maybe we weren't necessarily anticipating. And uh, I got five games for you, Scotty. You and I are going to pick here. Um, and we'll try to get as hyped up for them as we can. And each of them has kind of has a unique storyline to it. Uh, maybe not necessarily what like you would anticipate from like pre-primetime college football matchups, but still something that I think is worth at least chatting about. Uh, we're going to start noon kickoff on CBS or CBS Sports Network, I should say, not even a televised game. You know, watch, you got to stream this shit. Number 16, Wake Forest, undefeated team, one of only 10 undefeated teams left in college football. They're going to West Point, New York, and taking on Army. Now, you might say, Jeff, why would you be talking about Wake Forest and Army, right? If you had told me in week zero that in week eight, you guys are going to be picking Wake Forest and Army, I would have said there's no way. There's no way we're going to be doing that. But we are because Wake Forest is undefeated. They've looked pretty good. And Army still runs that old school triple option offense, right? And we've seen Army in the past get close to upsetting big teams. They almost upset Oklahoma just two years ago. I, I want to say it was Kyler Murray's year. Is that a Kyler Murray's year? Or it might have been – no, it was, it was Kyler Murray's year. Uh, and, and Oklahoma – Found out, you know, found a way to pull that game out in the end of it. Playing Army is such a unique entity in college football because you can't prepare for them like you prepare for any other team in college football. They were four and one going into the game against Wisconsin last week, and they, believe it or not, kept it close because they play good defense. And the triple option is so hard to prepare for. And if you're not ready, if you don't have the horses up front, or if you get some injuries at inopportune time because you're getting cut block and you're getting pulled around and all of a sudden there's a deep throw that they pull out when they throw it three times a game and it lands for a touchdown, you can find yourself in a hole. And to prove that wake forest, even though they're the 16th ranked team in the nation and undefeated is only a three point favorite going up against army this week. So does wake forest struggle in this game or do they win it easily? Wisconsin slowed it down, but eventually they end up winning by a couple touchdowns last week. I think Wake Forest is going to get some some trouble. I do think they win the game, but if Army pulls this upset off, I don't want anybody who listens to this pod to be surprised because I'm warning you now it could very well happen. Yeah, but nobody Army's played this year, including Wisconsin, has a, a passing game quite like Wake Forest and their receiver, Jaquari Robinson, who's just having a phenomenal year. Uh, he's up over 500 receiving yards already. Um I just think that's the difference is, is Army's disciplined on, on their defense. They can throw some weird schemes at you offensively. Um, but it, it, at the end of the day, in, in college football and the ACC particularly, is if you have that good quarterback wide receiver and you're slinging the ball 
the way that Wake Forest has all year, which is why they're six and zero. I think, I think that's the the definitive factor there. So I'm I'm, I'm all over Wake Forest right now. I'm going to take Wake Forest too, uh, but I just I I think this game could end up being close. You know, Army has been close to several Power Five upsets over the year. Wake Forest is not as good as their record says they are. Um, I know they're six and zero. They've won everyone in front of you, and that, to this point in time, that's all you can do. But you know, Coastal Carolina was ranked ahead of them before they lost last night to Appalachian State, right? There, there are there are losses to be had by Wake Forest, though. I, I truly believe that. Even though I like Dave Clawson, I like this story, and I would love to see what would happen if an undefeated if Wake if Wake Forest runs the table, stays undefeated and somehow finds their way into the college football playoff as an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, that would be an unbelievable story. And I'll add one thing, too. If they lose one game and still go on to win the ACC with one loss, who do you put in? An undefeated Cincinnati team who's beaten Notre Dame, who's beaten a couple of really, really good teams, would have beaten more ranked teams by the end of the year than uh, Wake Forest would have but are a group of five team playing in the American, or do you take Wake Forest with one loss as a power five conference champion who's played an absolutely abysmal ACC this year? I think that's a really interesting hypothetical. Yeah. I think in that scenario, Wake Forest is right out because you're going to have a one loss big 10 team in that mix too. So I think Cincinnati might get the nod and I know that sounds crazy. Yeah. But if, if you're, if you're thinking about those two, there's going to be a one loss big 10 team. And Wake Forest is the immediate first cut of among those three. I'm just I'm just saying, like, if, if there's one spot left, you know, Pac-12 champ has two or three losses. Uh, Big 12 champ has two losses, right? And it's a one-loss Wake Forest conference champion or an undefeated Cincinnati to fighting for that last spot. Who gets it? You know, and assuming that, you know, let's say Bama, Georgia get in, and, you know, Ohio State or Penn State, whatever, runs the table, and then they're in. You know, who are you taking there? Well, okay. I, I think Cincinnati stands was the, the a Big 12 champ, too, if they have one loss. No, well, no I said a, a two-loss Big 12 champ. Uh, okay. two lo- so, at this point, like I said, so, like, a hypothetical where there's one spot left and you're picking between one loss Wake Forest or an undefeated Cincinnati. And I think I mean, I'd go Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I think Cincinnati will get the nod because, believe it or not, I think their schedule might be tougher, despite the fact that the committee has always valued Power Five. But I think Wake Forest is such a unique circumstance because the committee is definitely not respecting Wake Forest. You know, where Wake Forest goes, if Wake Forest is undefeated by November, was I think it's November second uh, or November? Yeah, November second yeah, first is the first college football yeah, playoff yeah. ranking. Where they get ranked versus where Cincinnati gets ranked, if both of them are undefeated to that point, is going to be a fascinating, absolutely fascinating dispute. Because if if Wake Forest is ranked below Cincinnati and Wake Forest loses a game, there will never, ever, ever be justification for the playoff committee to jump Wake Forest ahead of Cincinnati. There just won't be. If, again, Cincinnati stays undefeated and Wake Forest has one loss but wins the ACC. Um, next game. The team from the ACC we're used to talking about. Clemson, 4-2. and two, uh, Not a good year for Clemson at all. The defense has been really, really good. But there's an argument to be made that because it was JT Daniels and Georgia was still trying to figure out what their offense looked like, 
that going up against this number 23 pit team, five and one pit with Kenny Pickett as absolutely the most underrated player in college football so far this season. Well, that's his eighth year. So, <laughs> I mean, Kenny Pickett has been awesome. Like statistically, he's been the best quarterback in college football this year. He just, he has been, he's been unreal, yeah. you know, like he, he, and, and Pitt doesn't have an incredible surrounding cast. And it's basically they're five and one because of Kenny Pickett and the one loss they had, which I believe was the Western Kentucky, which is a terrible mm-hmm. loss. Kenny Pickett threw six touchdown passes. So that loss isn't on Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett has been ridiculous. He's going to have his toughest task going up against a very good Clemson defense, but Clemson's defense is going to have their toughest task going up against Kenny Pickett. Believe it or not, this is like the first time in I believe four years that Clemson is playing a team in the ACC where they are not favored. Pitt is a three-point favorite at home, Heinz Field, taking on the Clemson Tigers. What do you got? Uh, Pitt seems like, you know, Pat Narduzzi does his whole thing about firing up his team. And I respect him a little bit more. Uh, so we're at plus one points uh, for backing up James Franklin after the uh, the Iowa fiasco uh, about the injuries. But uh, in any case, Pat Narduzzi fires that team up and uh, <clears throat> for big games, and they always seem to fold. Um, they've been knocking on the doorstep of of uh, the ACC division title for a while. Uh, and couldn't get over it because Clemson was way too good. Uh, now here's your golden opportunity uh, because Clemson is, is not as good as, as they have been in the past. And, and if Pitt can smell blood, Kenny Pickett, who, like I said, has been there eight years, uh, can figure out a way to, uh, to carve up that defense. The defense still for Clemson is, is the ultimate strength. And I think it's what keeps them in the game. I think talent-wise, DJ Uyunglele, did I do that right? You did. Oh my very, god! Very first good. Time. Wow, very, that's uh, the first time you've had the balls to say it on the podcast too. I love it. Yeah. How about that? I, I really went for it. But I think talent-wise, he's probably he's probably got more more raw like college talent than hundred percent. Pickett has. Um, so, you know, this seems like a game to me that at three and a half, um, I can I can see it being a a a, a two point game. I'm going to take Pitt on the points here. It's th- uh, by the way, because... it is three. It's it's a three-point oh, spread. It's three? Yeah. Oh. Um, but three, and and if you're Clemson gonna take well, if you're gonna take Pitt with the three and a half, then you would take Pitt with the three because it's a half, it's one less half point that you gotta yeah, worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'll 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 stick with Pitt. Oh god. Ugh. I hate that. I, taking I'm Pitt? taking them, but I'm I'll take Pitt on the points there. You know, my mom went to Pitt. Yeah, I know. Pitt Johnstown. And, out of uh, uh, out of spite, mostly, but yeah. Yes, and historically, you know, Pitt's had some players. Man, Pitt used to be a really, really good program. Dan Marino, yeah, Dan LaShawn, Marino, Lashawn McCoy, a bunch of really good guys. Larry uh, Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald, you're right on the cover of uh, one of the Maddens one year. I had a I had a game on the original Xbox. Get this matchup, Scotty. It was two games on one disc. It was NCAA College, I think 2005, and then top spin tennis and it was uh a ten- wow. it was a pro, a, a pro tennis league so I, you could play with pete sampras you could play with andre agassi and james blake uh no andy roddick wow. in that one uh, but yeah you could you could go and play with the pros for whatever reason they thought those two games 
on the same disc made sense. They belong together. But yeah. I'll tell you what, I played a lot of both of those games uh, back when the original Xbox was around. I uh, wish I still had that thing. That game was fun as hell, actually. But I'm taking Clemson. Clemson's offense has been awful, absolutely terrible. The defense has been really good. And I just – I don't buy into Clemson being this bad over and over and over and over again. They've done too many good things. Um, now, chances are Kenny Pickett's going to come out and slice up that defense. But I also keep remembering watching that game, that top five matchup in week one between Clemson and Georgia, where Clemson shut down. And that and the only difference in that game, there was no offensive touchdown scored in that game. And Clemson moved the ball down, was actually able to kick a field goal at some point. I think de- this defense for Pitt is not great. The offense has been carrying them because it's for the most part, it's been blowouts. So the other team is taking deep shots, trying to find a way to claw back into games. I think Clemson's defense holds up tight and I think they win this game. And uh, even if it's close, I think this is the, all right, Clemson has somewhat rightened the ship a little bit. I'm taking Clemson to beat Pitt. Uh, three games here, LSU at Ole, Ole Miss. I always want to put Old Miss, but it's Ole Miss. Now this game's old, interesting. Old Miss? This game's interesting for a couple of reasons, right? Um, LSU, typically after a big dramatic win, you, you see a letdown, right? Big emotional win like LSU had last week. You see a letdown game the next week. But in other times, when you know that, hey, our head coach just got fired or, you know, is going to be leaving, the team rallies around him and comes up. So how do you manage those two things? Because it feels like this team's going to come out and try to play their ass off for Coach O and add a third wrinkle into it that one of the names circling around that LSU opening for next year is the head coach they're going up against in Lane Kiffin for Ole Miss. So right now, Ole Miss is the number 12 team of the country is a nine and a half point favorite against LSU. I'm leaning towards LSU having more of a letdown game this week but this game feels way closer than nine and a half. And I know Ole Miss is good, but I'll tell you this too. Matt Corral got the crap kicked out of him in that game last week against Tennessee. And Ole Ole Miss has had to be, has had to answer questions all week about dip spit bottles and golf balls and mustard bottles being thrown down onto Lane Kiffin after that game. It's a whole nother thing they've had to deal with. Both teams are coming off emotional wins. One team has a head coach that's going to be leaving. Ole Miss players are going to be afraid. And I think LSU is going to be like, hey, hey, Lane, why don't you come on over and coach these bad boys? Because we got more NFL guys than you do, and you can make more stuff happen here. If Matt Corral is fully healthy, I would be taking Ole Miss here. But I don't know what we're going to see. And I know Matt Corral ran for 195 yards last week, but he also got the absolute crap kicked out of him in addition to throwing. Carries. I mean, geez. And he, and he threw the ball for 200-plus yards as well. I'm taking LSU to cover the nine and a half, but I think Ole Miss wins by a field goal. I think it's a good game. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's the fight. I mean, LSU is just a program that uh, for, for, all, for all their faults that they've had in the last few years, it's a program that will not you know, turn back on its guys. And that's we've proven that with the way that they've handled this, this thing with Coach O, um, among other uh, pieces of evidence. Max Johnson – is that his name? Yeah, Max yep. Johnson. He's slinging the butt. You talk about Kate Pickett. Brad Johnson's son. Year. Yeah, Max Johnson is having a year statistically. 20 touchdowns, four interceptions, uh, but he's over 1,800 yards, which is massive. 
this through seven games of the year. So yeah, uh, nine and a half seems like a lot. Uh, you're right. Last week, uh, Mississippi's quarterback was just the okay corral. Uh, funny little joke. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I like LSU in this one too, Jeff. Uh, at nine and a half. I mean, it, it, I mean it Matt Corral was like... amazing last week. I, I I don't know if just the okay corral, but just the fact that you said that. That's why we have you on this pod, Scotty, for, for little gems <laughs> like that. So you're taking the Tigers as well? I'm giving the Tigers. Go right, Tigers. Go Tigers. Uh, we're both on LSU there. Um, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting game. Again, if Matt Corral shows up and is healthy, I actually do think Ole Miss will cover the spread here. I just, from everything I've heard and read, it doesn't seem like he's 100% himself right now. And, uh, and I think LSU, just the there okay is. Corral. There is no uh, Derek Stingley Jr. either for LSU, so there will be some holes yeah. in the secondary. But LSU's got so much NFL, so much NFL talent on that roster. Um, I love Ole Miss. I, I I'm going pro- and it's tough because I root for LSU for the most part, um, but I love watching Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral. So I'm actually really excited to watch this one on CBS. Um, all right, two more games. The two most interesting games here: five and one, number ten in the country, Oregon on the road in the Rose Bowl, taking on Chip Kelly's UCLA Bruins. Right now, UCLA is a one-point favorite at home. To me, this is a prove-it game for Oregon, right? Oregon has looked shaky since they beat Ohio State. They always play in close wins, which is why UCLA getting the point here is big because if Oregon wins the game at all, you're covering here. I like the Ducks to go to Pasadena, take down their old head coach. we got a little – Old rivalry between Chip and his four, his old team, the team that made him famous, that made him Chip, Chip Kelly. Uh, the, the one thing UCLA has had on a lot of teams this year has been their ability to win games in the trenches, which I know doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about UCLA, but it's the truth. And UCLA has two awesome tight ends. And DTR, you know, for as small as he is, he is quick, he's nasty, he's RG3-esque, actually a little bit smaller than RG3. But Oregon is the one team in the Pac-12 that actually beats them in the trenches when you just look at size, when you look at NFL guys. Uh, and I think Kayvon Thibodeau has, has a good game here. He's been banged up throughout a lot of the season. I think he's expected to play in this one. Give me Oregon to win in Pasadena, improve to 6-1, and one, and, and re-enter the college football playoff conversation. Yeah, it seems like that would be the week for it. Uh, you know, Anthony Brown's got to have a better week throwing the ball than he's been in the last you quite frankly I, i'm just not i'm not impressed with with oregon they feel like a, a number 10 team and a loss kind of to stanford a couple weeks ago kind of exposed um a lot of their faults ucla is really good in the trenches and they're gonna have to to stop the likes of uh of travis die and kenneth, kenneth walker the third um uh, on the run game for oregon but um man this is one point i don't think that uh yeah i'll take i'll take ucla i'll take them sorry ducks did you say kenneth walker the third the michigan state running back Sorry, i was thinking of the michigan state guy i I, yeah i was comparing him to his stats to travis die sorry there you go okay i was gonna say i was like uh kenneth walker the third does not play for oregon but no no michigan yeah glad we and i'll say this too if oregon loses college football playoff is done for the for the pac-12 Everyone in the Pac-12 will have two losses if Oregon loses this game. So this is the literally the last hope for or for for the Pac-12 yeah. to get a team in the and college football playoff. 
And they got no help last week with Arizona State losing. No. To, uh, no, to, to Utah. UCLA. And even Utah – look, Utah, Utah could go yeah. on and win the, uh, the, the, the Pac-12, but they have two losses themselves, even though they're undefeated in Pac-12 play. Um, all right. This is the last one, and this is the one I was telling you beforehand. This line just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Number eight, Oklahoma State going to Ames, Iowa, the preseason darlings. And Iowa State is a seven-point favorite. Seven points for Iowa State. Now, I love Iowa State. I love Matt Campbell. I love Brees Hall. I actually even like Brock Purdy. I love their tight end, uh, whose name has escaped my brain right now. But seven points against that Oklahoma State defense, even if it is at home, this is crazy town. If you see a line anywhere close to this, hammer the shit out of Oklahoma State. I know Oklahoma State has been playing really well, and there's probably a letdown game coming at some point, but the way that defense guarded up against Texas last week, I I just don't see any way whatsoever that Iowa State wins this game by a touchdown. This line is insane to me. Unless there's things I don't know, unless there's injuries, unless Vegas knows things that I don't know, which is, hey, might be true. This line is nuts. Give me the pokies all day, all day on Saturday. Mike Gundy, that defense is as good as not any, but is in the top tier, in the top 10 defenses in college football. I, I mean, they slowed down Bijan Robinson. I know Bijan ended up with three touchdowns, but when they needed to in that fourth quarter, finding a way to claw back in that game, and Iowa State's defense has not has been decent, but not great. This line is nuts. I'm I'm taking Oklahoma State here. I don't know how you feel, but that that just that blew my mind when I saw that line. Uh, I haven't heard from Scotland in a while, but they're good at clones. Give me the Cyclones. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know, man. This this to me, you're right. It's the Big Twelve. Oklahoma State seems like the most solid team in that division, in, including their in-state rival in Oklahoma, <clears throat> but. I, for whatever reason, all the numbers uh, that I'm looking at are pointing to to Iowa. Some of the, the like the matchup prediction on ESPN. Have you seen that? That's 80 percent for Iowa State in favor of Iowa State against the number eight team in the country at home. That's yeah, wild that's, to me. Uh, so something's up, and I and I trust. I know I trust that I know what I don't know, and somebody knows more than me. So I'm going to trust that, and I'll take Iowa State. I'll probably hear it on Saturday uh, during college game day when they're analyzing this better than I am. I, just, but, uh, I, I am. Even if Iowa State wins the game to win it by a touchdown, that that just makes no sense to me. It just makes none. I, I don't see it at all, at all. Um, all right, well, that's that's our college football preview. I do love Iowa State, but seven points against Oklahoma State. I mean, the line was tighter last week against Texas. In Texas, in Austin, I, I don't know. So maybe someone got hurt, and I don't real. I don't know. Did that line just wild? All right, let's take a break. We're gonna come back. I got a couple of random life shit things for you, and uh, we'll wrap up the pod and get you ready for the weekend. All right, so we haven't done the our random life shit topic, our our thing here in a while. Um, we've just had so much sports to cover. We've gone long with some things, and so I thought now would be a good time to bring it back. And uh, I have two for you here, Scott. All right. So I'll start with this one. I was um, I had an interview today and uh, I was 
wanted to take a, I, you know, when I get kind of nervous or whatever about certain things, I hop in the shower, you know, turn the heat up, try to relax myself a little bit. And so I hop in the shower and uh, most people that know me know I have long, long hair um, and I cut it over the summer and it's just now getting back to the point where I can throw it up in a little man bun, been a man bun guy for a long time. And I'm, I get in the shower and I forgot, I was like, oh shit, my hair's still up. So I, you know, I take my hair tie out and I kind of do a thing where like I flick it over the shower curtain, right? And just kind of like flick it over, it'll land on the sink or whatever. I'll, I'll go get out of the shower. So I'm, I'm showering, I whatever, I come out and I'm like, oh, I got to go hop on. I had to work and do some other things before my interview. So I go and get ready. And I had forgotten that because I was going to let my hair kind of dry out that I had, you know, thrown my hair tie. So after my interview, I go into the bathroom uh, to use it and I look over and we have like a, a, pa- a roll of paper towels, like on the side of our sink and no kidding to you, Scott, the hair tie had landed when I threw it out of the shower in the hole of the, like the tube going down into the paper towels, which has to be the Flash. most ridiculous shot like completely blind not even just flicked it up and over go landed in the paper towel roll and so i ask you this what's the most incredible like pong or or trick shot or one of those things where you're like flipping it up onto a counter anything like that that you've seen because that was one of the most incredible things i like couldn't believe it when i saw i was like oh my god did i actually throw this up And, and just went straight down into like a little you know, you know, the size of a paper towel roll, like it was unbelievable. So have you had one of those things happen? Cause I have another one that, that might actually be better than that, that I didn't throw, but I saw somebody do. So I'm curious if you have anything that, that rivals it. You're the, uh, you're the Steph Curry of hair tie throwing. Um, no, I, I I'll take, you know, I'll take that. I'll be the Steph I can't Curry of think anything. of anything off the top, man. Those bad behind the back throws. We used to do trick shots with, uh, with cornhole and with, uh, with beer pong. There's nothing that, that jumps out to me as something that incredible, though. That's that's a huge feat. I mean, it's it's a pliable thing that you're throwing blind yeah. into yeah. a hole that's what, like maybe an two inch and a half, yeah, like an inch and a half, maybe in diameter, yeah. Um, so, man, it was unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's wild. Um, because I, I like remember I was like, oh yeah, where did I put my hair tie during like during after things I was like, oh you know if anyone with long hair knows you lose hair ties like crazy and then i just happened i was like in the bathroom like, oh my god i can't i can't believe that i did that the only one that was better than that and i swear to god people tell me like no way you're lying every time i i bring this up swear on my life this is a true story i was in high school and i was hanging out with some some friends we had ordered some pizza and gotten some fries or whatever and some like fried food and there was an open soda can, like 30, maybe about 30, yeah, probably about 30 feet away from where an old buddy of mine was sitting. And uh, he's sitting there munching on a French fry. And he goes, I figure what he said, maybe Kobe probably is what he says. It's Kobe and flips the French fry. And it went into the soda can from 30 feet away. Wow. Think about That's that. Is Jeff Curry. That is, yeah. a, that is something the size of a nickel with a French fry that's rotating end over end from 30 feet away. Again, 30 might be a little far now that I'm thinking about it. Because that's like the it size. Was like, it was probably well, let's 30. Let's say it was 30. It was, it was, a, it it was, was 100. At least 20. Like it was across the basement. 
like it was like (laughs) it's like a fisherman right every time every time you tell the story (laughs) the fish gains five pounds um it it, it, was 200 feet (laughs) dropped it out of an airplane and 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 somehow landed it directly in to a a soda can it was it was unbelievable one of the most it was honestly one of the most incredible things i've ever seen in my life it was unbelievable um all right, so that's a stupid thing I brought up, but it was funny. I just I was like, I wrote that down that I was like, that's ridiculous. I can't believe it. Um, here's another one for you. So I, I've been watching like food videos and food uh, like YouTube competitions and stuff recently. Just kind of went down a rabbit hole, and uh, and a lot of times on it, you know, it's like judging, like, oh, this food is terrible, and like that's the thing. It's like, oh, this this food is is bad, and it, I honestly. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, this, this, it's like in the office when Andy Bernard's like, this food is, this movie is bad. I'd make a great movie critic. <laughs> this movie is bad. Yes. Um, but honest to God, I don't know if I'm just like, I know what I like and I just don't deviate enough from it. I can't remember the last time I ate a food that I went like, oh, that's, that's like, that's nasty. Like, that's not. That's not good. And it feels like every time I watch these shows, you get that kind of reaction out of people. And I'm like, how can like food isn't that bad? Like at the end of the day, just eat the food. It's food. Eat it. And maybe I've just been eating too much ramen and stuff because of, (laughs) you know, my job and everything else I got to do that. I just buy cheap food that it just doesn't even phase me anymore. But like, I just don't come across food that is like bad in my life. Is that do you do? When's the last time you had a meal where you were like, God, that was that was like on that was terrible i don't um i think we probably largely grew up uh similarly where if food was put in front of you you ate it yeah uh, and my mom was an amazing if you cook, complained so. about it then you didn't get any dinner so tough um but <laughs> but no i i i've i've had things that i i care for less uh where i'm like you know what maybe i won't go back there or if i do i'm not going to order that i'll try something else um, but I, the, not a food that, that I've seen or had in a while that, uh, uh, maybe ever that I'm like, nope, won't do it. Caramel. Caramel is the worst. You don't like caramel? Not a fan. Caramel. Does caramel make it better? If you, if you say it fancy, it does not, it makes it worse. <laughs> That's a wait. So like Twix, like you're not a Twix guy. Anything with caramel. Or like a like a Snickers, you won't munch on a Snickers. The one exception is Milky Way. I love Milky Way. Well, Mickey, Milky Way doesn't have. Does Milky Way have caramel in it? Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's the nougat and the caramel. Yeah. Okay. No peanuts. No peanuts. I was thinking of a Three Musketeers. That's the one that's all nougat. Nougat's yeah. a weird thing. It's not. It's beautiful. Yeah, but no, but like it's like what like where did where does it come from? Like how do you make nougat? What is it? These are questions for a higher deity, uh, like Jeff Martz, who works at the uh, the Mars Candy Corporation. <laughs> I was going to say, the last time I had nougat was when I won. We do, in our fantasy league, we have uh, the the loser of the, or the winner of the loser's bracket, we called the Steak Bowl. And uh, our buddy Jeff Martz, who, who operates Sparts by Martz Farms, um, the Martz Farms Steak Bowl. It's like, a, it's like a shitty college football bowl, but for our fantasy football league. It's like where it's like what the the third place team in the Sun Belt gets to go to, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was amazing because Jeff Martz, to his ever loving credit, was like, "Yeah, you know what? Whoever wins this, I will I will ship you." Uh, or in my case, he actually hand delivered me 
uh, multiple steaks because he also has a farm and, and cattle that he, he raises. And, and he brought me four steaks frozen and uh, two giant things of ground beef. And he also brought an assortment of uh, candy because he, like you said, he works part of the, the, the Mars Corporation there, the Mars, Mars Candy Company. But Maybe the Mars Candy Company. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not adventurous enough, Scott. Maybe I need to start trying new stuff. Yeah, you need to. Yeah, go explore. Like, I mean, I'm not a big seafood guy. I like shellfish, yeah. but like, I, the, the one that came to mind was calamari. And I think I was in like middle school or high school. It was like, the last, I, I ate it. It was like, no, God, no, absolutely not. But people swear by it. I'm just, yeah, maybe I'm just not adventurous enough. Maybe I need to start expanding my palate to more than things that are it. just drenched in cheese and and red sauce because that that tends to be my go-to um all right well that's all i got look sometimes random life shit's just fire and other times it's talking about you know throwing french fries into soda cans and hair ties into from an airplane yeah from an airplane and other and, and you know mars bars and all that yummy goodness um all right well have a wonderful weekend everybody i hope you guys enjoy it uh hopefully the college football is one of these chaos weekends and we're just sleeping on it and hopefully the nfl ends up being a good week because i think two weeks in a row the college football slate's been meh and uh, then we had a couple good games and the nfl game you know that slate was meh but then we ended up not really having a bunch of good games so let's pray you know we're optimists here and remember cool. football a weekend of football is better than whatever we're doing in the spring on a weekend it's just always going to be better so enjoy it Uh, enjoy the nice cool weather we're still i promise you i know i promised we were going to do the uh taste test for our fall collection of the bud light seltzers uh we will do those winter let's go (laughs) almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades my friend we're still in fall and we will get that done uh we just haven't had the, the opportunity to do so so that will be coming soon enjoy the weekend enjoy the football uh and uh, hopefully make make some bets you know try out a couple of slights a couple slights couple sites this is getting ridiculous we're out of here have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you next week take it easy end it